Hey everyone, uh, Rodrigo here. So today's episode is going to be a re-release of an episode that was released way back in August of 2019. Uh, right now I'm in the middle of moving into a house, so there's a lot of packing and a lot of stuff going on, so I couldn't work on a new episode, but it had been almost a month since I released the last one, so I wanted to release something, and uh, this is one of my favorite episodes. It's about one of my favorite subjects, so yeah. Hope you enjoy this re-release of The Irrelevant, um, and I'll see you guys really, really soon from a brand new house, hopefully. So yeah, thank you. Today we're going to talk about the Texas state flag. If you know anything about me, you know that I love flags as a concept. I really do. I mean, the first episode of this podcast way back years ago when there were only two episodes for about two years was about a flag, the Ohio State flag. If you haven't heard it, don't look it up. Don't listen to it. It's rough. Um, I had just started out. Give me a break. <laughs> anyway, I like flags. I could talk about flags all day. And one of the undeniably solid flag designs is that of the state flag of Texas, the Lone Star. It's an iconic design, and it is truly a good design. But what do I mean by good design? According to the North American Vexillological Association, aka the flag people, a good flag design adheres to five principles. Number one, keep it simple. The flag should be so simple that a child can draw it from memory. Number two, use meaningful symbolism. The flag's images, colors, or patterns should relate to what it symbolizes. Number three, use two or three basic colors. Limit the number of colors on the flag to three, which contrast well and come from the standard color set. Number four, no lettering or seals. Never use writing of any kind or any organization's seal. And number five, be distinctive or be related. Avoid duplicating other flags, but use similarities to show connections. These are the rules for a good flag. Is a Texas flag simple enough that a kid can draw it? Yes, in fact, I used to draw it all the time growing up. And for the second one, it has a lone star, which is a huge symbol of the state. It's three colors, which is perfect. There's no lettering or awful seals on it, unlike the flag of the city of El Paso, which is very bad. And aside from Chile, which actually came first, the Texas design is pretty distinctive. There's really no other design by it. So it should be my favorite flag too, right? I mean, I'm even from Texas, but it's not. The Texas flag is really nowhere near being one of my favorite flags, and it has everything to do with its history, which I don't think many people know. Mexico became independent from Spain in 1821. Three years later, in 1824, Mexico passed the General Colonization Law, which opened the doors for immigration into Texas. In 1825, the government of the state of Coahuila y Texas created the empresario system, which is they would grant land to individual men who would then recruit people to settle and work the land. And for every hundred families that empresario settled, they would receive 23,000 acres. This system is how Stephen F. Austin came to the state and his father before him. His father was actually the first empresario, but Stephen F. Austin is the man for whom the capital is named after. Um, but empresarios were all types of affluent white men. Now, I want to kind of restate that because it would be unfair to say that all empresarios were white because there was also Mexican men. Uh, for example, Martin de Leon or Lorenzo de Zavala were two empresarios that were, you know, brown or not white. Still, among all these empresarios, there's one guy who ties directly to this story that I'm telling you, or the history of the Texas flag, and that's a man by the name of Hayden Edwards. 
Now, to put it lightly, Hayden Edwards was a bit of a jerk. If we want to be a little bit more honest, he was a little bit of a scumbag. On April 14, 1825, Hayden Edwards was granted a colonization contract to settle 800 families in East Texas. It's kind of near the current Louisiana border. It's north of Nacogdoches and north of the colony that Stephen F. Austin was running at the same time. His contract contained standard language that required Edwards to recognize all pre-existing Spanish and Mexican land titles in his area, and he also needed to raise a militia to protect the settlers in the area, and to allow the state land commissioner to certify all deeds awarded. The state land commissioner, not him. Hayden Edwards didn't do any of those things, however. He arrived in Nacogdoches in August 1825 and right away demanded written proof of ownership of the land titles for everything or the land would be forfeited and sold and auctioned within a month. He did this particularly targeting those that were different to him. Hayden was a snob and a racist. He scorned those who were poorer or of a different race. His goal was to remove the poor or less prosperous settlers so he could assign their lands to wealthy planters like himself that were from the southern United States. Most of the Spanish-speaking landowners had lived on grants made to their families 70 or more years previously and were unable to produce any paperwork. And those that had valid titles, Edwards accused of forgery. Now, remember, as part of his contract, he had to organize a militia, and that militia had to be open to both established residents and colonists that he was bringing over. So when the militia formed, they elected municipality clerk Jose Antonio Sepulveda to be their captain. But Hayden Edwards nullified that vote and proclaimed himself head of the militia. And he did this because Sepulveda was a Mexican, and he didn't like that. Then... He, acting totally outside of his authority, called for elections of a new alcalde or mayor of the municipality that was neighboring his land grant. It wasn't even like Nacogdoches wasn't even part of his land grant. It was just the big city in the municipality next door. And he called for elections there because of mistrust or whatever. Edwards put his son-in-law up and stacked votes. He rigged the election so that his son-in-law would win, and it would have remained that way if not for the Mexican government stepping in. So this was pretty much a failed coup by Hayden Edwards. After this failed, he skipped Texas and went back into the United States, ostensibly to recruit more settlers, but the rumor was that he was going to the United States to raise an army. He left his younger brother in charge of the colony, which was full of people he had already upset, and without his strong hand there, the colony kind of really fell apart in a huge way. So after all of this racism and attempted coups and harassment of the old title holders and just really causing a ruckus and causing chaos, plus add to the fact that there was a rumor that Hayden Edwards was about to raise an army against Mexico, Mexican authorities revoked the land grant and ordered the Edwards to stay out of Mexico. However, Hayden and his brother came back to Nacogdoches in October of that same year because they had a lot of money invested in the region and were not going to give it up just yet. So remember, the empresario system was a way that the Mexican government was settling the land that was up there in Texas and up in the north. And Hayden Edwards is one of these empresarios, and he was really not a bad dude. He was a racist. He was picking on those that were poor. He was picking on those that weren't of his social circle or those that were like him. And he was doing a lot of weird stuff to the city next door. He was just a bad dude, and he was doing crazy things. So the Mexican authorities kicked him out and revoked his grant but he didn't go away. 
he came back to Nacogdoches. He was not going to give it up. At the same time that Edwards was illegally in Nacogdoches, the rightfully elected alcalde, Samuel Norris, who was obviously a white man, ruled that Edwards had improperly taken land from an existing settler, aka a poor person, to give it to a new immigrant, aka one of his rich friends. Norris evicted this person. In the same month, he kicked out another one of Edward's buddies for refusing to purchase a merchant license before trading with the Indian tribes, and the new colonists, or those people that Edwards has brought over, were not happy. On November, more than likely stoked by Hayden Edwards, the local militia, which was 39 men strong, pretty much invaded Nacogdoches and arrested Samuel Norris, who's the alcalde, Jose Antonio Sepulveda, the municipal clerk, and the leader of the Mexican garrison of troops that was stationed there. It was a small garrison. And they charged them with oppression and corruption. At the same time, in this same move, when all these influential men were arrested, Hayden Edwards was also arrested for violating his expulsion order. Now, this was very clearly a cover-up because Hayden Edwards was immediately paroled and released. As for the other three men, there was a court set up and they were all found guilty and banned from holding any offices. Shortly after that, the court disbanded and a new alcalde was put in place. So all of this to say the Edward brothers, both Hayden and his younger brother, were trying to drum up a revolt. They weren't happy with taking over Nacogdoches and wanted more. They even reached out to the Cherokee tribe who were a bit upset at the Mexican government because they were promised a deed to land in East Texas, but were never really given a deed. The Edwards offered the tribe all of the land in Texas north of Nacogdoches if they supported their revolution plans. So that's kind of like a really good deal, right? Finally, on December 16th, Hayden Edwards and his brother and 30 men invaded Nacogdoches, seizing the Old Stone Fort, which was the most important building in town. And five days later, they declared the former Edwards colony to be a new country, an independent republic, the Republic of Fredonia. The Fredonians signed a treaty with the Cherokee, and in recognition of this treaty and this new republic, a flag was hoisted above the old stone fort. It was a flag that had two horizontal stripes, which cut the flag in two in the middle. One was white and on top, and one was red and on the bottom. It represented the two races, the white man and the red man, as they called it at the time. On the top half of the flag, there was also an inscription that said, Independence, Liberty, and Justice. So finally, we arrive at a flag, or the flag. This flag, the flag of the, of the Fredonian Republic, was one of the precursors to the Lone Star flag. And the Fredonian Republic flag was entirely a race-based design. It represented white man and red man, united against brown man. It was exclusionary by design. Nowadays, the Texas state flag code states that the white bar on the flag is for purity and the red is for bravery. But the flag design is directly from the flag of Fredonia, which is this racial flag that I just described. And that's the great shame of the Lone Star flag. The Lone Star flag actually wasn't the first flag of the Republic of Texas. The original design, at least in my opinion, is pretty great too. It's actually, I think, better than the Lone Star flag as we know it now. Maybe you've seen it. It's also called the Burnett flag, B-U-R-N-E-T. It's that blue flag with a yellow Lone Star in the middle. It has a Lone Star. It's distinctive. It's easy for kids to draw. It's got great colors, only two, and it's got history. It's actually based on the Jane Long flag, which was the first Lone Star flag, it being a red flag with a white star. 
So the Burn It flag is a great flag. It fits all the criteria. It's distinctive. It's awesome. It's really good. I actually own a Burn It flag and proudly have it next to my Ohio State flag and the flag of Nepal. It's right in the middle of the triumvirate of favorite, of favorite flags that I proudly display on my bookcase. Still, that flag, the Burnett flag, the good flag, was replaced in 1839 by the current Lone Star flag. There's no really official statement as to why it was chosen, but I have to think it's because Hayden Edwards' Fredonian Rebellion and the Fredonian Republic is seen as the first act of the Texas Revolution, which led to the creation of the Republic of Texas. Still, this is a shame. It's a shame that this great design is tainted by this history. It's the history of a man who was racist and classist and overstepped his authority, entered a country illegally, and created a rebellion against a country which at one point openly invited him. Against the wishes of the people living in the place he claimed he was freeing, might I add. That's what I see when I see the Texas state flag waving in the air, and that's why it can't be my favorite. I've been thinking a lot about the flag this week because I've been seeing it a lot. And the story of Hayden Edwards is in a lot of ways related to the story of El Paso. It's somebody who was an outsider to the community who never really cared about belonging and just wanted to impose his will upon it. And that's what the flag still represents. And that's what the flag is. And so weird that centuries later, that is still affecting this state. It's in our history. It's something that can't be denied. The Lone Star flag looks good, but it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. A taste that I just felt again this week. And I know this, is, this isn't like my normal episodes, and I know that I'm supposed to be talking about a flag, but really this country has a lot of issues to deal with that until we can face head on and admit that there is something wrong, that there is something evil, that there is something vile, that there is something twisted with ourselves and with our history, nothing is going to change. I hope that by listening to this, you can at least take that step with the Texas flag and see it for what it is. But if not, I hope at least you learned something. So there you go. Um, that is an episode of The Irrelevant, originally aired on August 2019. Um, I hope you enjoyed. I, I really like flags. I really like talking about them. And the Texas flag is it's one of my favorite topics to discuss because of its history that I don't think many people know. Um, but yeah, I hope that wasn't rough. It's kind of rough for me to listen back to my old stuff just because I used to speak a lot faster and I had a different setup and everything. But um, still, uh, it's nice to revisit. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com. Um, if you have any suggestions for the show or anything, there's social media links in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, see you guys next time. And as always, OR4 did nothing wrong. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.